0: Requires high-speed internet connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on Direct TV. Terms and restrictions apply.
1: Uh, you are now tuned into anything poudable. The most honorable, the most audible. Hold the applause. Like Paul Pierce when he was fresh out the hospital. Like Antoine when he sent after shots went through. So tell me why you mad your team gonna be sad leaving after matching up with brad stevens each season champion contenders we drop twice a week like you trying to guard Kemba. <laughs> your team whack and your players whacker i got the inside scoop after hanging up with jay and Packer. okay we about chips here i'm talking about this year Banner a 12 plus 6 here carcinel was top rookie i'm saying it now ain't playing around with tatum we off the charts, but you gotta play at market smart. Close out, cause he pulling up from Harvard Yard. Gang Green, it's no other way. So tune in to the pod if you plan on staying up to date. You heard? see. <laughs> <Aziz.
0: laughs> AJ, I, I see you there. <laughs> she
1: welcome to The Boston Celtics podcast here on The Athletic Podcast Network. I am your host, Sam Jam Packard, professional sports fan, and I am joined, as always, by the kid, the god, the legend himself, Celtics beat reporter for The Athletic, that is Jay King, ladies and gentlemen, and we are coming to you after the Celtics come off playing three games in four nights and a tough loss to the 76ers, but then they absolutely dominate the red-hot Cleveland Cavaliers. They play a very solid game against the Chicago Bulls. Jason Tatum comes back after not playing for seemingly two or three weeks and looks just as good as when he left. Uh, And going into the game on Wednesday night against the Spurs will be the first time that Kemba, Jalen, and Jason will be playing on the same roster, something that has yet to happen this year, yet the Celtics are still 10-6 and their second place in the Eastern Conference Jay, what was your biggest takeaway from the past three
0: games the Celtics played? That's a lot of games. Uh, they pummeled two bad teams. Whoa, the Cavs are, are, are like – they
1: just uh, – they beat the Nets. They just pushed LeBron to have to score 50 points. I mean,
0: the Cavs are a legitimate juggernaut. The Cavs are mediocre at best with a mediocre at best roster. The Bulls, likewise, so they they pounded a couple of bad teams, but that's what you're supposed to do to bad teams. But I thought the the def- defense was just much sharper, and that's what Brad Stevens has focused on. He's challenged this team to be more dedicated on the defensive end. He's not used to coaching bad defensive teams. This has been for most of the season a bad defensive team. I thought. I mean, it was promising that Jason Tatum came back off health and safety protocols and just didn't look like he missed a step. It was promising that Jalen Brown continues to shoot people's faces off like a high-powered Chris Middleton. And it was promising that the Celtics like finally looked committed on the defensive end.
1: Yeah, let's go take it back. Folks probably won't remember, but after the 76ers beat them for the second time in a week, back-to-back games, Brad Stevens is probably as angry as you're going to see Brad Stevens in a post-game press conference and basically tore his team to shreds in a Brad Stevens manner, saying that he's just they were not putting in the defensive effort needed. It's hard to do against Joel Embiid, who is just playing his mind out, but it definitely looked like the defensive effort picked up against uh, both the Cavs and the Bulls. That's going to be what the team needs, but I was kind of surprised to see Brad kind of jump on the team that early, this early into the season, but it was definitely necessary because they just haven't been good defensively so far.
0: I wasn't surprised at all. Brad <laughs> Brad lit up the Celtics in tr- preseason the year that they had all those issues with Kyrie and everybody. So he he likes to when he sees a problem, stop it early and address it. And and I think it just got to a point where, even though he knows the two big lineup like probably won't be great, he thought that was going to be a really good defensive lineup. And even though the Celtics have had to play some guys that probably won't be playing a lot of minutes when they're fully healthy, like this team has enough put defensive potential, to be much better that they have been, and I, I think he just kind of got fed of it, fed up with that. He got fed up with seeing Joel Embiid go to the foul line and seeing that the the help defense wasn't what it should have been, and seeing that they just didn't do enough on him, and and he just decided, all right, let's let's try to get in front of this. Let's continue to remind these guys that what what is his his new favorite term is like. We will not be sustainably competitive if if we continue to play like this. And so he wants to build a sustainably competitive team. I think that's pretty clear. It's all about building championship habits. Uh, and clearly the Celtics are not
1: doing it right now. Something that I think will hopefully change as they get their full complement of rosters is we will no longer see the two big lineup. And it had some moments, I guess, against Cleveland just because Cleveland grows.
0: off the bench, maybe.
1: Maybe just because they have such like bad wing depth that you might throw a little Daniel Tice in there. Tice has been phenomenal. Um, I don't know. Phenomenal feels strong. Tice has been very solid. I would say maybe like a B-plus plus for Daniel Tice uh, over the past couple of weeks. He's been very good in January. Um, But my question for you is, what is Tristan Thompson's role on this team? Because he has not been great so far. If you look at all the numbers... Like, on-off numbers, the, he hasn't been good. And so when the team returns, I would imagine that Daniel Tice, if, if you're just going based on play, Daniel Tice would be your starting center. Um, people are talking reckless on the internet, saying they think Tristan Thompson was promised a starting role, and that's why he came to the Celtics. But he just really hasn't flourished yet uh, in Boston. And do you think, like, moving him to the bench will kind of maybe – Jumpstart his performance. He was supposed to be this high-energy guy, and I just haven't seen it yet from Tristan.
0: Yeah, I think, I mean, playing that two-big lineup, I think has hurt both him and Tice. And and he's like, he's a high-energy guy, and he's a guy who isn't going to function as well if there's less space around him. And, and so... I think the, and the more offensive firepower the Celtics have on the court, the more guys are going to help, help off Tristan Thompson and allow him to get better position for offensive rebounds, get in position for, you know, dunks and stuff like that. So I, I think, yes, it's, it's easy to, to say he hasn't been as good, but I think there are also circumstances that, and he and he dealt with the the hamstring injury. He missed most of training camp. I think if you look back at Al Horford's first year in Boston, and and obviously Tristan Thompson is not Al Horford, um, but they are, they're two big guys who have similar defensive reputations for being smart and being active and being able to switch a little bit. Al Horford his first year in Boston really struggled defensively more than I think anyone anticipated and I, I think the adjustment for him on that side was a far greater than it was offensively and so I, I wonder if if that's part of it for Tristan and I think that's if just like a communication
1: thing or not being used to the scheming not being used to rotations because he hasn't looked great defensively like I he had zero field goal attempts against the uh, Bulls and it felt like 10 boards you don't really need Tristan Thompson to be doing that much on the offensive end. It feels like, and maybe this is just watching Joel Embiid just dominate because Joel Embiid's like six inches taller than him and has probably like 40 pounds on him, but it just doesn't seem like he's been the strong defensive presence who like, you thought you were getting when you kind of spent your full mid-level on him.
0: Yeah, I think the, the one part that's most concerning is that he hasn't looked comfortable on switches and stuff like that. Because that's where Tristan Thompson should be a huge plus for the Celtics, especially compared to what they had last year off the bench in Ennis Cantor. And, and that's where you want to see him improve the most, I guess. Um, because, like you said, he, he doesn't have great size. He needs to be an energy guy. He needs to be getting up into people and causing an impact that way. So... I, I mean, it, it hasn't been, like, the most promising start for Thompson, but I'm not ready to sound the alarm or anything just yet.
1: Okay, but do you move him to the bench uh, on Wednesday when presumably you have Kemba, Marcus Smart, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum? Who is your number five guy?
0: I think Tice is, has been better, especially when he's played center. I think Tice last year showed that he fits perfectly with – other starters and does a really good job next to those guys um him and Kemba have a sweet connection I also think Tice is just
1: very good uh we talk about spacing a lot but just like he's very good at finding the little pockets in the defense when people help and like knocking down elbow jumpers which is just not something that's part of Tristan Thompson's game Tristan Thompson feels like he's a solid role man but Tice just has more of a pick and pop ability. And I just think your best five lineup that, and probably the lineup you'll close game with close games
0: with is probably going to be Daniel Tice. Uh yeah. Uh I I mean that's the way it's trending right now. But I don't think that's set in stone. I think it's also important to point out when you discussing Tristan Thompson that the Celtics on half court possessions have the number one offensive rebound rate in the entire NBA. And so you're always come
1: with these crazy stats that I've just never like would think to look up, but yeah, that's a wild stat. I'm shocked to hear it.
0: So yes, like some of his contributions are, have been kind of muted or not super loud, but I think in, in some ways he's still being Tristan Thompson. And I think that that'll just grow more as he grows more familiar with the Celtics. They grow more familiar with him and the two big lineup finally ends. Although it was very good against two mediocre at best teams in Chicago and against Cleveland.
1: How much of you think is that just like scheme or inability to defend? Like it just felt like in Cleveland and Chicago, those games they're just trying a little bit harder and the intensity was a little bit more there in terms of, Picking up the ball. They wanted to show some championship habits. Brad really um, lit into them in the Brad Stevens fashion. Like, how much of it is just effort and like having consistent effort on night to night, or how much of it is just these two guys are both centers and we're forcing one of them to play power forward?
0: I think it's partly both. And like, Cleveland is the perfect matchup for that big duo because they start Larry Nance and Andre Drummond, and neither of those guys have any real level of skill whatsoever. Um, so that's just like the perfect matchup for that group. Chicago's not much different because dad young isn't gonna like kill you off the bounce or shoot threes. So I think they were two very good matchups for that team. I think part of it too is just that the Celtics were pissed off. You know how I know they were pissed off after the second Philadelphia game because even Kemba Walker was pissed off, <laughs> Smiles Magoo. <laughs> yeah, Smiles Magoo. Kind of lit into his team a little bit, and so I think, I think they were going to up the defense a little bit. But I also think that the the matchups contributed to the success, especially the two big the two big lineup. The two big lineup has been like pretty decent offensively, though, which I think is worth noting.
1: And well, they just had the benefit of playing next to Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. Like I don't know how much of it is
0: like yeah, but that's the, quite a benefit, right? Yeah. And, <laughs> And if, if you do that and you can get stops, which I'm not sure that group can, but if you can, then with Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, and now Kemba Walker, you're going to have a lot of offense no matter what. And so I, I don't think it's going to be the best Celtics lineup, but I don't think it will be as disastrous as it looked over the first month or whatever of the season.
1: This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. All right, so we've given, we talked about the kind of the top six guys, um, You have the top four stars and then Tyson Thompson, given where uh, they're obviously going to play a number of minutes. Who do you think the most important guys are after that, especially considering kind of the offensive boost that you're going to get by having Kemba, Jalen Brown, and Jason Tatum all playing together? Because one of the nice things about having some blowouts, having some big wins is we got to see some deep bench moments. Did you catch Smith fever? Knee Smith Fever. I don't have full Green Bean Fever yet. I might have more Carson Edwards Fever right now, Ooh. which is something I didn't see happening. But the Celtics got thirty-seven points from the bench uh, against the Bulls, which is never a total I would anticipate. Um, but who do you think is the most important guy uh, for the Celtics? I kind of to step into that seventh man role because we saw Javante Green knock down some threes and play solid. We saw Carson. We saw. Um, and Shemi continues to be pretty decent, but who rounds out that bench and uh, becomes a key role player uh, moving forward? Or who do I they assume. need to be a key role player?
0: I assume you're talking about for now while Pritchard is out? Yes.
1: Well, that is also news that we haven't reported yet. He uh, Fast PP, strained his MCL, will be out at least two weeks, returns to basketball two activities in two weeks, and probably will have to get some rehab games in. So he will be out And so, yeah, let's say for the next – while Peyton Pritchard is out and rehabbing, who are the most important bench guys
0: who need to step up um, moving forward? I think it's still Shemmy. I think Grant Williams needs to be better than he has been this season.
1: Can we talk about that? Grant Williams has been bad.
0: Grant Williams hasn't been great. And I think it's a combination of factors. Um. But one of those, like last year as a center, I felt like he was at his best and by far when he was a center. The Celtics could switch everything with lineups with him. They were really, really stingy defensively. And then when you have him at center, his offensive limitations don't matter as much because you typically have four capable offensive players more shooting around him, more playmaking, all of that. So when he plays the four, I just feel like he needs to to shoot it a little better. He needs to be a little more dynamic, and he hasn't been either of those things. Um, So, I
1: think what we're learning is that it's uh, much harder to be an effective wing than it is to be an effective big. As we see all these guys, you're used to playing the five – try to slide down to the four I just think the defensive requirements for that are just so much more difficult because it's basically there's no real traditional like post-up power forwards anymore you're basically just guarding wing players and I think we've seen Tice struggle with it with it a bit I think we've seen Thompson we've seen Grant they're just not as good on the defensive end and clearly they're more uh more valuable to you at center and I think that's going to be one big problem for the Celtics. We've talked about it the entire year is lack of wing depth and just having someone who can slide in there. And right now, Shemi is the, the leader in the clubhouse. We saw some nice moments from Javante just in terms of knocking down shots and still doing some elite jumping. Aaron Neesmith, um knocked down some threes, which will be pretty big, but I don't know. If he necessarily is ready to like slide into that four position, what do you think of Neesmith's uh, little, you know, making some shots? That, that's a nice change.
0: Yeah, and I, I think it, like his shooting percentage in two games, three point shooting percentage rose from like 18% to 35%. It basically doubled. And I, I think it just goes to show how dumb we all are for reading into such a small sample size. Like if he were at Vanderbilt, it would have taken him two games to shoot 16 threes, which he did over the first month of the season. And so, like, shooting, if he can shoot, then it will eventually come to light. <laughs> and, <laughs> and over the long run, his his percentages will grow higher and higher. Um, obviously, like well, like we've seen with Carson Edwards – Shooting doesn't always translate, especially for a young player. I think it's promising that he knocked down shots. I'm not going to overreact to him knocking down shots. He needs to prove he can do it consistently. He needs to prove he can hold up defensively. I think the the defense like has come along pretty he, well. Even he looks from where he was like a few weeks ago. He he looks a lot more comfortable um he's he still gets lost on a couple possessions and still takes
1: bad angles and it feels like I think he gave up a couple threes in the Chicago game where he was just miscommunication on switches like he still has some ways to go but he definitely looks a lot more comfortable on the defensive end he also and is he's just tough like,
0: and he's pretty strong and he's
1: pretty long and he's bouncy he's like a high energy guy like he had that nice play where he like running back for the blocking in the Bulls game he just seems to be um, high effort, and so that's going to be good for him. It's going to be interesting to see if he gets more playing time, if the Celtics kind of go a little bit smaller. I mean, I think he's going to get more playing time, if he's, especially if he continues to shoot. Um, but it's just a good development for the Celtics that he's not a bust, which is what we said after a couple of games because we're
0: all idiots. So hold on. You went from he is a bust to he's not a bust because he hit three threes.
1: I don't think I ever called him a bust. I just thought he was bad in his first two weeks as an NBA player. And I, I, I said as much. He's no longer bad. He is adequate.
0: I, I just think the overreactions to the first month of a rookie's Jay, we were
1: A bi-weekly podcast where we need to fire off takes. This is why you're always in the middle. This is why you refuse to have takes because you
0: don't want to look like an idiot. The sports area is a gray world. We live in a gray world. That's that's just how it goes. I mean, that is how it goes.
1: But the people want to hear how uh, you bring the objective journalistic analysis and I bring fiery hot takes. Okay, I've got takes then. I saw...
0: The guys from NBC Sports Boston, I think it was Perk and Scal arguing this, are Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown top 10 players? No. Are either of them a top 10 player?
1: Jason Tatum might be, but if you go through the exercise of naming the top 10, like it's, you get to 10 so quickly. It's There's wild stuff, a lot of very good players in the NBA, but I don't think they're like, we can do it right now. LeBron, Giannis, KD, Luca, James Harden, AD, uh, Steph, Embiid, Jokic. Are you real like at what point are you ready to slide Jason Tatum in there? Like, uh Kawhi? We didn't even say Kawhi. Didn't mention Kawhi, didn't mention Paul George. Um they're I don't know. I think there he's right around, I think Tatum's right around that range. You can make an argument for that, but if we're gonna say overreacting to small sample size as a fan is dumb, I'm also gonna say trying to rank players like that is dumb because they're all like the tier system, I would say they're Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown are in tier one A. Or no, 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 not one A. The one below that. Like they're clearly not um just by themselves able to take a team to the playoffs or take a team to the finals. Um, But they're right below that. And so do you want, if you want to say top 15 for Tatum top 20 for Jalen Brown, I'm not going to argue with you, but it's just a a wild exercise to just be like, why are we saying top 10 and why is 10 the number we focus on? We're just uh, biased from this base 10 counting system. We've been forced to deal with our entire lives.
0: I I think to me, I'm with you that they're, they're not at the level, like there's not a chance in hell they're both top 10 players, just no. Um, But I think where they have to prove themselves, especially compared to the best of the best, the LeBrons and everybody like that, just like a possession by possession basis. And that sounds so boring, but when a game is close in the fourth quarter, you have to trust them to get something they want. And I don't think they always go through the right process in those moments. And and that's what they have to do. That's to get ultimate playoff success. That's where they have to grow the most. And I think they've shown a lot of growth along that path. But, like, the very best players just don't waste possessions. And I think you saw that in the Heat series a lot, where, like, the Heat just valued every possession, especially every crunch time possession at a much higher level than the Celtics did. And and to me, like for Tatum and Brown to take that next step, they have to go from averaging 27 points every game and doing it efficiently like they have done to when they get in those big moments and when they're in big playoff games against great defenses, like still go through the right process, still show maturity and get something you want whether it works or not get something you want and that that's that's like the next frontier for those guys and they've both gotten substantially better at it but i need to see more of that
1: okay is, are they a top 10 duo though i think they might be a top
0: 5 duo yeah they're they're up there among duos and and what separates them is, like they're both averaging 27 points a game they're both doing it pretty efficiently and they both are six seven, six eight versatile defenders who can guard from one through four. That's not normal. Like, how many of the best duos in the league are both legitimate pluses on both ends of the court? There aren't many. Like LeBron and A D, yes, absolutely. Um Jokic and Murray, no. Mm. Kawhi and Paul George, yep. Um, but I would like,
1: slide them in right there. Like I think they're the third best duo behind those two. Harden it? and KD.
0: We're talking about doing it on both ends of the court. Oh, both. Bo- yeah, both ends of the court. Yeah, but but that's what I'm saying. I would still take Harden and KD over them as a as a duo. Like just overall. But but there aren't many who do it on both ends of the court, and those guys do. And and those guys are super versatile on both ends. Like they can both catch and shoot. They can both run pick and rolls. They can both get out in transition they can both guard any number of of different types of offensive players and so their versatility is is really rare and i think that that makes the celtics very tough to stop and and that's part of the reason why they've been able to fit next to basically any type of player and and they give brad Stevens so much lineup flexibility because they can both do so many different things
1: what do you think has been more impressive? And I think there's an obvious answer to this, but I got to phrase it like this question because we're in a podcast and make it more fun. Uh, Jason Tatum's passing ability is kind of new developed ability to playmake or Jalen Brown's uh, scoring ability? What are you have been more impressed with uh, to start the season?
0: Jalen's scoring ability.
1: Yeah, I mean, that was obvious, but I just wanted to bring up Jason Tatum can pass.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, that's not even close. Jalen has been an outrageous shooter through the Celtics for
1: 16 games. It's wild. He will he will make shots that he has no business making. Like the the pump fake lean in three he made against the Bulls is a it was a bad
0: shot. It was a nonsense shot, but it just drained it. It was total nonsense and just drained it. And it, like I said, I brought up Chris Middleton, I was kind of tongue in cheek earlier. It reminds me of what Chris Middleton does to the Celtics, what Jalen's been doing to everyone this year. Like, he's taking shots that normally you'd be like, please, please take that long two-step-back fadeaway. But he's just shot everyone's face off the entire season from three-pointers, from twos, near the rim. He's been... His ability if- to
1: just euro step and, like get the ball off the glass with his left hand and what is the the highest, no, most number of points in transition. Like he's absolutely a force in transition and his patience and his like finesse game around that is just wild. He used to just be homicidal Jalen and it would be, I'm going to go and drive and try to dunk on everyone. And now it, he just doesn't do that anymore, which is a little sad because homicidal Jalen's fun, but he's just has an ability to get to the rim that is just, I don't know how you really guard him when he's just doing, he just just seems to be doing it so easily, which is wild.
0: Yeah, he, he's just become, turned himself into a heck of a shooter. And that's, I mean, that's a testament to all the work. And it's not just like, it used to be he, he could shoot spot-ups or he could shoot well from the corner. He's He's grown ambitious and still gotten more efficient, which is the sign of a lot, a lot of growth. He's the new two-point daddy. Maybe he was always a two-point daddy. But he's also a three-point daddy, and he's an at-the-rim daddy. (laughs) He's a daddy all over the court. An (laughs) all-around father. That's great. Um,
1: But the other part of the question, I did want to talk about Jason Tatum's passing, just because that one pass, I think he had to find Jeff Teague, or was it Javante in the corner, where it felt like he's reading the entire uh, defense. The guy's man sagged off him a little bit one-handed left-handed pass just immediately whipped it to the guy in the corner It just feels like he's seen the floor a lot better and is making the right read which is a huge thing in Brad Stevens system he's just uh, taking a lot of strides as a playmaker which is uh, another pleasant surprise if you're a Celtics fan yeah I'm not surprised by that I don't think that surprises me at all There's like been three times in this episode where you've been like, I've been like, that's a surprise. And you're just like, Nope. Jay King saw it coming. I I just think
0: last year he showed so much growth and especially in the playoffs. Yeah. And just started to deal with all the additional defensive pressure that he was facing. And, and so I kind of expected him to take on more of the playmaking responsibilities and, and handle it pretty well this season. So That doesn't surprise me, Um, but Jalen's Jalen's shooting and Jalen's scoring, just the level he's reached in those things. Not that he's good at them, but just that he's that this good is that's eye opening.
1: All right, we're going to now turn to the listener gods out there. I asked you guys for questions and topics, and responded. So much more than we normally get. I don't know what the timing was, but it it is. thank you guys for that. I think we covered a lot of them, but we'll go to this one from Keeves Nick. How can Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum get better? He suggests get to the line more because both guys are at a career low free
0: throw rate. He told us to discuss. So Jay, discuss. Gets the line more is definitely one of them. But I think what I said earlier, just kind of valuing every possession and not throwing any possessions away like like the best of the best guys when you think of 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 LeBron especially and I'm thinking about like the best of the best and and it's unfair to compare anyone to LeBron but like when you when you if the Celtics get to the finals they might be playing LeBron and and they might have to go possession to possession with LeBron and he just doesn't throw possessions away and he tries like hell to get something very good for him and his team on every possession. And and I just think that, that that's rare. And and Damon Brown need to do that. And part of that is getting to the line. Part of that is eliminating some of the tougher looks. Part of that is improving as passers and making the right play time after time. It's just all of it. And and they're still really young and they're still early in their their development. So there's probably a lot of growth left.
1: All right. This question is from Ashy Larry at Twitch Stevenson. What the hell are we going to do about Jeffrey Teague? Now, I think last week you told me Teague had some wild on-off numbers, but was it a great stretch for Teague over the past couple of games? It feels like he just had some really bad turnovers. He is the new Ennis Cantor of the player Celtics Twitter loves to hate. were your impressions of Teague and especially given the fact that Pritchard is out, you're going to see a lot more Teague uh, moving forward. Uh, what what the hell are we going to do about him?
0: He's just got to start making occasional twos. <laughs> he even knocked down a floater or two against
1: the uh, Bulls, but he just loves to attempt the floater. He has one of He's a ball-stopping guy, though. It feels like a lot of times he will catch the ball and – then have about five seconds where it's like Jeff Teague decides what's happening on this possession. And he just needs to do that less because it feels like he's just not great at creating the opportunities for himself. He just needs to play like get, keep the ball moving too much ball stopping with Jeff
0: Teague. Yeah. And I think that's part of the Jeff Teague package. Like that's kind of what he's done over his career. Um, He can be a frustrating player at times. But like I, I also think that the, the playmaking – and he can still get in a lane. He can still create avenues for other people. He's still a guy that opposing defenses kind of have to deal with because of that. I think he's going to just be up and down for Celtics fans this year. Whereas people were mad at Brad Wanamaker because he was just sturdy and solid. and. <laughs> I wasn't mad at him and was rarely like beyond sturdy and solid. I think it's going to be the ups and downs with Jeff Teague that that irk some Celtics fans.
1: I just don't like Jeff Teague right now because he's not Brad Wanamaker. And I'm just looking for someone to be more solid, more sturdy. I think Teague has had his like his moments. Uh, He's definitely going to have to do more. Um, But it's just the sloppy turnovers are things that uh, are really going to piss Celtics fans off. All right, Jay, it's time for the favorite part of the program. That's right. Trade exception talk, where we talk about the same five guys the Celtics could target, but we have a new addition from rumors, from reporting from The Athletic, Shams, saying that J.J. Redick and Lonzo Ball could be on the market. Jay, what do you think about those two guys in Celtics uniforms?
0: They're... They'd both be interesting fits, um, good fits. J.J. Redick especially like, would give shooting that the Celtics could really use. I think Lonzo, because of his age, obviously is better lined up to help the Celtics contend for a longer period of time. Yeah. Um, but I like
1: the Lonzo idea much more than the J.J. Reddick. I think J.J. Reddick
0: – J.J.'s had a tough start to this year too.
1: But he also – he does one thing. He runs around and he knocks down threes, which is – Yeah, but that happens
0: to be something the Celtics really need.
1: He's very – like that's a very valuable skill, but if you trade for J.J. Reddick, is he playing down the stretch? Like he is he cracking your top five? I, like is he even in the top six? It feels like that's just a guy who can come in – Um, and occasionally give you some scoring off the bench. I just don't know if he's there defensively. Uh, Lonzo, to me, I like one. He aligns better with the timeline of Tatum and Brown. He's in the same draft class as Tatum. I I like his ability to play his defense and just playmaking, his ability to just get the ball to guys like Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. But overall, I just don't think it's realistic for the Celtics to trade for either of those people. Just because they're on the market doesn't mean that we have to necessarily immediately put them on the Celtics. I know that they have the biggest trade exception ever, but if I'm going out there to try to target some guys, it's going to be someone whose like natural position is that kind of four that we've talked about or we talked about earlier where you could actually envision them uh, closing a game with them or maybe playing some small ball five or can guard multiple positions, basically just – a Gordon Hayward style player uh, is basically who would you want to target. I think the the person, this is a question from Tuxedo Octopus. Um, he's asking about someone like Harrison Barnes. Harrison Barnes has a pretty big deal uh, on the Kings, but the Kings pretty much will be looking to tank right now. And the, the deal, uh, the money is going down on those years for Harrison Barnes. I think he's been a pretty solid player that like uh, could fit in nicely there. I would like, that's the more style of player that I think him, Aaron Gordon, you want a kind of a bigger guy who can guard up and, and basically switch onto multiple people. I like the talent of Reddick. I like the talent of Lonzo, but I just don't think they fit as well with the, this roster.
0: Yeah. I do think the Celtics could use, especially like a, a big two or three, like like someone who could guard the wings. Um it could be
1: Romeo. This is where we also get into Romeo talk where it was Romeo. nothing changed. Romeo, do we have Romeo questions? Of course we got Romeo questions. It's the same questions we've had for the entire season. What do you think the impact of Romeo is going to be when he gets back? Well, I don't know. It's also a kind of thing where it's like wild for this to be talking about the trade exception at least to me right now. Um when they haven't had their full team yet. So it's like, how do you really fully evaluate what this team needs? Obviously, it's going to be some sort of wing depth, but we don't even know like what the full roster looks like. And so I think we have to see like them play at least two weeks of games with Kemba, Jalen, and Jason out on the, like, all playing before you can really evaluate some trade exception talk.
0: Yeah, I think that's fair. But I also think you it's pretty clear what the Celtics need and, and maybe that will change if Romeo Langford comes back and is good or, but I I think like, it's pretty clear they could use another wing who can really guard like twos and threes and has some size and could shoot a little bit, at least a little bit, preferably more than a little bit.
1: So Aaron Gordon, Harrison Barnes, anyone else you can think of? Uh, I saw some, some Otto Porter Jr. takes last night, which uh, were laughable to me because he's not good. Um, I don't know who else is like really out there. It's very early in the season. I feel like a lot of teams, if you look at the roster, pretty much the entire league is basically has six wins or ten wins. And so I don't know if there's going to be a, a lot of sellers out there. There's probably going to be a lot more people looking to think like, hey, we can really get into the playoffs this year. And so you're really just – one, that increases competition for people wanting trades. And two, there's just less teams who are going to be willing to give up guys. And so I don't know if it happens this year. I know people want the trade exception to come in this year because people love transactions. But I don't know if this, like, this year's trade deadline is the the thing where that comes through.
0: We will see. That's a beautiful thing about the trade exception. That's actually not the beautiful thing about the trade exception. But we will know within less than a year what the Celtics do with it.
1: We, we will talk about it if they make a trade. And you know what? We're we will talk about it until then as well. We're going to talk about it next week. And we're going to talk about it the week after that. And we're going to talk about it. As long as you have the biggest trade exception ever, you're going to talk it's about exceptional the biggest exception. exception. Absolutely exceptional. All right. I think we are about running out of uh, legitimate Celtics questions. And so I saved this last one for you, Jay. I know you're a big Harry Potter guy.
0: Uh, some may call me a Harry
1: pothead. Most people do. Most people see you walking down the street and go, look at that Harry Pothead. One, first news, they might be coming back with a live action Harry Potter on HBO Max. So I know you're excited for that. Um, But this question is, what does live action mean? It's like not cartoons. It's like just people. Like the, mo- like the movies were live action. I don't know why. That's a very good question. The headlines all said live action. Um, but yeah, people will be playing uh, the characters, not cartoons or Muppets. I don't
0: know why I never knew what live action meant. But just why don't people just say that shit won't be cartoon? <laughs> so you want the headline to read HBO Max to develop non-cartoon Harry Potter no, series. No, HBO Max to develop Harry Potter series. <laughs> that and shit that shit will- won't be cartoon.
1: All right. So that's... Yeah, no, we see why you're not a headline writer right now. But that would be an electric headline though. That would have got the people talking. Absolutely. People would have been retweeting that uh wildly. That you might have a point here. That shit that, won't be cartoons. I
0: might be the greatest headline writer of all
1: time. That's possibility. But the final question is from Nick Serret. Rank the Celtics players as Harry Potter characters. I don't I don't think rank is the best word right there, but compare uh, Celtics players to Harry Potter, uh, Harry Potter characters. Ooh, I like this question. Um, is Brad Stevens Hermione? No, they're both nerds. I feel they're like both pretty good. They're both pretty cerebral.
0: I feel like Jalen is Hermione. Yeah, that's that's fair because he's like a he he does a lot of the right things, but like. Some of those right things can be irritating to people. Also, given his relationship with Marcus Smart, I, I don't I, I don't mean that a social justice movement can be irritating to people. That is not what I'm saying. I'm just saying like I think over the years um the way he is has probably rubbed some people the wrong way. Um and especially
1: if, especially Marcus Smart and in the early books Hermione was annoying and like people were always yeah. like yelling at her. Just like Marcus Smart used to yell
0: at Jalen Brown, but she really came on strong later in the book. And then people realize like Hermione's fucking awesome. And Hermione is really smart. And if we follow Hermione and do what she tells us, we'll probably do some good things. Does
1: that make Harry Potter, uh, Jason Tatum, the young prince who was promised? uh, Yeah, I, I think
0: Jason Tatum is definitely that for the Celtics. The big question is who's Ron Weasley? Ron Marcus Smart
1: cuz no cuz Ron doesn't really impact winning as much as uh, Marcus Smart does. I feel like that would be a, an insult to Marcus Smart. I feel like
0: Ron or Smart this is going to sound bad and and probably be very disrespectful <laughs> to what he is. But I feel like he's Hagrid. Like, Explain. Like, he strikes me as a guy who would love animals, um, but more, <laughs> more so just like a loyal guy who, if he's on your side, he'll do anything for you. That's yeah. fair. And I feel like Hagrid is that for all the people that he loves. And, like, if you know Hagrid and you understand that, like, you just love him. And if you don't understand that, you just look at him like this big giant and probably afraid of him a little bit. Don't really – he kind of – just kind of scares you. Whereas about Marcus Smart, I feel like that's sort of similar. Like if, you, if you're in his circle, that is a lovable motherfucker. But on the outside, you're like, he he looks like he could be tough. To deal with but he's not that's,
1: that's fair I, I could also see some serious black in Marcus like a bit of a rogue kind of a dark like guy that. um, but really has his heart in it and is is down for the fight and it's probably got mischaracterized early on in his career but really is a, a true hero Um I, this is tough to go because I've been trying to think of other player comparisons and it's not really ones that line up like who's Kemba Walker like just a a cheery guy who's just fantastic all the time, but still very talented. Um,
0: I'm trying to think of the right Kemba. Sort of like he's got a little Dumbledore to him. Wise, like, just wise. Um,
1: I would say Kemba Walker's more like Ginny Weasley. <laughs> I don't know why, but that's just one we like felt like she makes a positive contribution, never really a negative except when she gets her soul taken over. Remember when Kemba got his soul taken over by that book in the Chamber of Secrets that was pretty wild that uh
0: sweet sweet Harry <laughs> Potter joke bro uh,
1: <laughs> I think was, I don't know any others like how we can keep doing this like grant like I don't know who are who are the Weasley twins? Javante, I think, has to be in there. Grant could be in there, but Grant's kind of a nerd. I'm trying to like not. I don't know. I feel like you are trumping me on Harry Potter knowledge right now, and um, I will leave the floor to you if you have any like other great connections. Who
0: would be? I feel like my Dumbledore for Kemba was just wrong. That yeah, no, it wasn't. Like you can't compare any of the Celtics players to Brad Stevens Dumbledore.
1: No, Brad Stevens is Professor McGonagall. Ooh. Like, that one makes sense. He's not, like, he's not elite, like, he's not the best, but he's a, he's been there for a while. He kind of knows the system, knows the rules. He's reliable. Um, what does she teach? Charms? No, she doesn't teach charms. What did she, she
0: teach? She taught uh, something of magical creatures, care of magical creatures, right? No, she
1: didn't, bro. That was Non-bra. Hagrid. Fu- uh, she taught,
0: like... Transformation? Think,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, I think we've gone on, unless you got any others that pop out to you. Um Daniel Tice, who's who's someone who's just universally just gets the short end of the stick. Daniel Tice is Neville. He just gets screwed, but he's just always there and he steps up when you need him. Also,
0: Neville got more attractive as he grew older. <laughs> Are you saying Daniel Tice is ugly? No, when he I'm, saying, to it, I'm saying Daniel Tice has has grown better and better as he <laughs> as he got older. All right, this has
1: gotten ridiculous. Thank you guys for uh,
0: like sticking it out with us. I'm as gonna should. I'm gonna think of some good ones later, and it's gonna really fucking bother me that I didn't share them on the podcast.
1: All right, well, we're coming back later this week, Jay. Uh, so if you think of some good Harry Potter uh, Celtics connections, Jay will have them for more later this week. Tweet them at us, uh, and we'll talk about I feel the best like ones.
0: Mark could kind of be Victor Crum. He would have been a badass, badass. Quidditch player, I I I know. Yeah, you're right. Although, didn't it. Victor Crum catch the snitch when when he knew his team would lose if he caught it? Like, yeah, part would never do that. I'd I take that back.
1: The problem with Harry Potter is it's a it's a top heavy roster. I mean, you, you clearly there's not a deep bench in terms of characters uh, that uh, it's really relying on the top three, really on the top one. If we're being honest, um, and so it's a hard to do a one to one comparison. Yeah, but nonetheless, like if you guys have uh, some good Harry Potter Celtics comparisons, tweet us at, tweet them at us. I'm at Jam Packard. He is at by J King. We'll talk about him if there are any good ones on the episode later in the week. Thank you guys for listening. If you enjoy this sort of nonsense or just the good old fashioned analysis we had earlier in the episode, please go ahead and rate the podcast five stars. Give us a review on iTunes or wherever you can give us a review. It really helps the show out. And thank you guys for listening to this episode of anything is possible.